and welcome everybody to Red Heart Studios' first episode of the Comics, Culture, and Badass Creators podcast. My name is Ian Dorian. This is my venture into a, hopefully a different type of podcast that involves you know, graphic narration. Um, what I'm hoping to do with this is just explore, you know, the in, independent creators, do-it-yourself creators of, you know, graphic novels and zines and comic books of all types of manner. Um, so, I started this back in May, and I wasn't able to be as involved with it due to, you know, other um, responsibilities that took priority. So, now, end of August, finally getting this launched. Um, I don't have theme so uh, theme song yet, but um, just because I couldn't find the right theme song. So once I do, uh, these intros will no longer be a thing. So uh, my first guest is Nikki Rodriguez. You will find out who she is from the cringy intro that I gave her. I don't know why I decided to do that. I thought it was going to be funny, and then it just, you know, ended up being stupid. No, no, I don't know if it was stupid, but I don't know. It, it wasn't how I envisioned it, so um, I hope you enjoy and come back and listen to the next one, which will be with Javier Hernandez, who created El Muerto. So today I'm joined on the unsponsored phone line by Puerto Rican artist and educator in the Bay or from the Bay who's working towards diversifying comics and visual storytelling through the still st I'll redo that. <laughs> no worries. Yeah. Through the stories through the stories told and how they're and how they're told. However, I have dubbed her the Puerto Rican queen of the zine. Nikki Rodriguez. Hello. <laughs> Hi, Nikki. How are you doing? Thank you for that introduction. Oh, you're welcome. I'm doing great. So, I'm wondering, how were you introduced to graphic narration? Um, so, like, it's, it's kind of a weird journey. Like, I think my entryway into, like, graphic visual storytelling was really primarily through animation. I just, you know, I just watched a lot of cartoons as a kid. I was really drawn mostly to, um, like, the character story. Like, I was always drawn to a show because of, like, the character that I just, I guess, felt reflection in or that I just thought was really interesting and that would drive me to watch their shows and sometimes read, like, comic adaptations. But I really did not get into comics until kind of, like, at the end of my undergrad in the animation program at California College of the Arts okay. because I was trying to find a way like, I just felt very lost in terms of, like, you know, I had this foundation of how to tell stories and kind of an idea at this point of, like, what stories I wanted to tell. Mm -hmm. But I didn't feel very welcome in the space in which I had, like, been learning all that, just, like, the animation industry. Like, I just felt like there wasn't a place for me to tell the kind of stories I was willing to tell. And, um, like, I'd always been interested in comics at that point. I started reading more 
more comics, graphic novels. Like, I've always been a DC fan, just because I'm a big fan of the DC animated universe. Mm-hmm. So, like, Batman Beyond, Justice League, things like that. So, I would pick up a lot of those comics, and I was like, you know, this is pretty cool. And I was like, you know, maybe I could make a comic or something, just, like, to get my story out there. And once I just realized that my school also had a comics program, you know, I applied, and that was kind of my gateway into comics. That was when I was making comics and, like, learning about it and just understanding the form and history about it. Okay, that's that's interesting. I think Yeah, it's I, like I definitely got into it late in life, for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, because I think a lot of people, like, I, I can't say our age because I'm, like, 14 years older than you are. <laughs> but, <laughs> but um, like, when I got into comics, it was... <clears throat> I first watched like the Batman sixty six series, like uh, during reruns, during you know, uh, when I was what, for or during summer break from school, and then it yeah. you know it went from to the movies, and then the Batman animated series came out when I was like ten, and then that introduced me to whole new things. Like I didn't even know Nightwing was a character until like the new adventures of Batman and Robin. So I think yeah, I think animation is how a lot of people get are introduced to um you know graphic narration yeah i definitely think so too especially because it's like it's kind of a more accessible medium just because like not to say that everyone has a tv but there are so many different ways you can just watch things Mm -hmm. and that like you know when you're a kid you're kind of just like at some point sitting in front of a tv at somebody's house watching things as opposed to like going to a comic book store because i feel like those are harder to find or any store that sells books and comics like i really didn't start going to comic book stores until like until college when i Mm -hmm. lived on my own i was like oh my god there are comic book stores that i could go into that was kind of my reality yeah like i didn't get heavily into collecting until i was probably like in my mid-20s so it was like Mm, yeah yeah, later than you (laughs) you're like what (laughs) 23 right yeah i'm 23 yeah so yeah i was like 25 when i started like heavily collecting i had always paid attention but it was never something that i was you know fully immersed in until i uh, had a friend yeah who was you know who was into it and we would go to the comic book shop together mm-hmm, yeah it always helps having like a friend or a family member to kind of like guide you a little bit into that space and then you just kind of discover what you want on your own yeah so um all right so m- my next question is going to be what do you think of the current state of diversity in comics Huh, so that's kind of an interesting question. I think I might have gotten asked something along those lines at the the panel I did at Latino Comics Expo. Um, and, I, like, I do think that it is starting to diversify more. Like, I think just media in general, um, perhaps it's happening faster in comics. And I think that just because, you know, with just the zine community that's out there, and it's like, I feel that not that necessarily zines are becoming more mainstream but they're just so accessible and it really is like anyone can hop into this community and be welcome and that's definitely how I got my start is just like you know I just started making zines that was kind of the culture and is the culture of the MFA program in comics at CCA Um, and I just got to see the diversity of like what I wasn't seeing reflected in comic book stores and things like that Um, and just these different kinds of stories like really personal graphic memoir just, like, really non-sequitur stuff, abstract comics, really experimental, like, media things. And it was just really great. So there's definitely a lot of diversity in zines. In comics, I think 
there's still a lot to be done, but I think there's more diversity happening, starting to happen. And the, like, characters that we're seeing and, like, the stories that are being told, like, we're getting slightly more robust narratives from different perspectives. Um, like, I, I can feel that people are, like, really trying harder <laughs> now yeah. than they were before. But there's definitely more room to grow, for sure, because it's, like, I would love to be able to have the diversity I see reflected in the zine community come out into comics where it's, like, we just have, for, like, superheroes, example, it's just, like, maybe we just start getting more new superheroes or just, like, if they're going to continue to reinvent the world, <laughs> we just get, like, some more diverse reincarnations of, like, uh, iconic characters and things like that. And it's, like, it's starting to happen, but it's still very kind of, like, one-off. It doesn't mm-hmm. really, like, pick up because they're not really, like, pushing it out there, and it deserves to be out there. Yeah, and, like, uh, with uh, Miles Morales. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, that... He- that was like my gateway into Marvel because I was just like I always, I never hated Marvel, but I don't know mm-hmm. I just couldn't really connect to a character. But once I just like was looking through Spider Man because I was like somehow I relate to more, and then I saw that like oh my god, there's this like black Latino Spider Man. This is amazing, and like I just picked up all the Miles Morales Spider Man comics I could find. Yeah, did you have you seen uh, Into the Spider Verse? Yeah, for me that is like the pinnacle of animation. That yeah. like makes me so happy that movie. <laughs> yeah, that that is exactly how it is to read a comic book and it was it's amazing how they were uh, able to accomplish that. Yeah, I was just like it was I can't even put it into words. It was very exciting to see and experience and like see that reflection of not only the character but the comic form and it was just so nice to see a studio really pushing the limits on like how it's telling its story and what it looks like and kind of really being experimental with design. Mm-hmm. So I just really appreciated it. Okay. You see, like, with, uh, like, I'm half Filipino and half uh, Caucasian. So, like, there's, mm-hmm. like, as far as I know, there's no Filipino, like, superheroes. And then I just saw a tweet from uh, Greg Pak, who he's making the fourth Filipino superhero in Marvel. I'm like, I didn't even know there was three. So that, that's yeah, pretty... Like that, that's pretty exciting. That's so interesting. Yeah, like, I didn't even know that either, and I feel like it's one of those things that you you don't know unless you're the one making it, because mm-hmm. it just seems like, you know, there, there's not a lot of noise about it. So it's, like, kind of hard to figure these things out. Like, I remember in my in the History of Comics class I took, like, when I started the program, I kind of, like, was able to learn a little bit about how many Latino superheroes there are. And it's, like, there's not a lot, but I was like, wow, I didn't even know they existed. But it's, like, when you look at the list, you're just like, oh, these are, like, one-off characters who appeared in an issue or, like, they were stereotype characters. So it's, like, it's still got a long way to go in terms of, like, representations mm-hmm. of diversity within cultures. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Like, uh, and I hope it keeps growing simply just because, I don't know, people will learn about how different, you know, different um, ethnicities are, you know? Not, not yeah. you know, like, not all um, Latinx people for lack of a better term mm-hmm. <laughs> you know um come from the same background you know or grew yeah. up in the same area and as soon as more people learn and understand that i think it would be it'll be better for everyone yeah and i think that's kind of like the problem is just that so many people whether or not they're coming from that like background directly or if they're just like you know recreating character for the sake of like tooting their diversity horn is just they kind of present this like monolithic 
representation of what it means to be Latinx or Asian and stuff like that, as mm -hmm. opposed to really looking at a key experience, like a unique experience, and like getting to understand and interact with that experience. So they could craft a multifaceted character that like, like, I don't know, it's like, I'm making a Puerto Rican character for my comic, uh, like an Afro-Latina Puerto Rican character. And yes, I'm Puerto Rican, but I think there's also like ways in which other people can understand like being bilingual and, you know, just being like second generation and just navigating spaces in which you look different, you speak different. It's not necessarily that like you just have to represent the stereotype of character. It could be like very unique and someone's still going to be able to latch onto that and find the piece of themselves in it. Yeah. And I feel there's just not enough of that efforts being done to make characters unique and not stereotyped. Right. Like I, when they, um, I think when they first created John Stewart, uh, Green Lantern. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, one of the uh, editors came up to Neil Adams and s uh, said, I forgot what the name was, but it was very stereotyp, tip, you know, it was a very stereotypical name, you know, mm -hmm. and, and uh, Neil Adams was like, no, that's his slave name. And oh so, my gosh. yeah, so. So he and uh, Denny O'Neill changed his name to John Stewart, so it's so it was more, you know, it, so it wasn't as I guess offensive, you know. Yeah. So I, I actually I, didn't know that. Wow. Yeah, like um, I heard that on uh, Kevin Smith's Fat Man on Batman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <th> <laughs> I love that. Yeah, that was when he uh, interviewed a bunch of Batman creators, and like I learned so much from listening to those, and then he yeah, changed the format. Amazing. Yeah, changed the format to a more like pop culture show, but mm -hmm. there's only so much, so many creators you could talk to before you run out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so with uh, you preferring DC over Marvel, what characters um, do you identify with? Hmm, well, that's a hard one. Um. Like, I don't know. I guess I never really thought of it in that terms. I think it was just, like, clearly I was drawn to characters. And now mm -hmm. that I think about it, I don't know if it's just, like, personally related to them mm -hmm. or if it was something about the story that I was presented about their life that I found interesting. But I think my, like, I guess it's easier for me to think of my favorite characters. The first and foremost is Terry McGinnis. Like, I loved Batman Beyond. Um, and I did so hard, like, I worked so hard to, like, follow his journey through the comics, like, outside the mm -hmm. TV show adaptation of the comic, and just, like, all the different Batman Beyond, like, runs that have been going on. But he was definitely, like, a character I latched onto, and, like, I don't know, I guess it was just kind of like he was just this kid doing his own thing, and mm -hmm. without realizing it, that was very much what my life was, just, like, you know, I moved around a lot, um, I was constantly kind of, like, restarting my life. And I just felt like I was always on my own. So there, there was just that little bit of a parallel for me where it's just like, you know, I can kind of relate to this kid, okay. even though he's out here being Batman by night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, because, uh, like, one of my friends, he's he's Mexican. He he loves he loves Dick Grayson so much so that he named uh, his, yeah. you know, he, he named his full, full-blooded Mexican son Grayson. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. So, uh, like... So I, th I think like everybody has these characters that they latch on to. Like for me, it's Jeff Johns's uh, uh, Hal Jordan. Oh yeah. Yeah, because yeah, that that's probably the best incarnation of Hal Jordan that I've, I've that I've read. So I, 
Okay. Move on here. So, mm-hmm. um, who inspired? Yeah, which artist inspired you to become an artist? Ooh, hmm. Let's see. I mean, I really love Darwin Cook's style. Like, may you rest in peace. Um, his just like the way he just had such an iconic graphic style, and, like the simplification of his lines. I was instantly drawn to. So I loved reading Darwin Cook's work. And also Fiona Staples, like, I love Saga for the story, but also just, you know, just all that artwork is just impeccable. It's definitely something I channel when I try to work on my comics, just because my zines are very much, like, they're very fluid, kind of scratchy. Like, it's just, you know, I'm hashing this shit out for everyone to get to because I want to get it out. Whereas for, like, my comics, like, I very much try to channel, like, the Bruce Timm DC Animated Universe Mm -hmm. style, like, looking at Darwin Cook's lines and, like, just the way, like, Fiona has, like, this dynamic nature to her drawings and the characters. So those are kind of, like, the big three for me. It's okay. very much what, like, even when I was in animation, I always, like, think, thought about. I'm like, those are, like, my, my Pinterest boards of inspiration <laughs> as I start a new character design and stuff. <laughs> yeah, because when I was reading the, the first, or, yeah, the, the preview to The Second Son, like, that's what I noticed mm-hmm. about, about your art style. It's it's very, it was very familiar to me, but yeah, but but different, you know. Yeah, no, that's so interesting. Like I've definitely gotten that before, and I think part of it was like just being in animation, especially my program. It's like there was kind of like a push towards a Disney esque style, mm-hmm. and everyone was just like, "You don't have that style." And I could never tell if that was a good or a bad thing when uh-huh. I was in the program. But it's just like, it just became clear that, you know, I've got a style that sets me apart and that made me happy. And I was just like, you know, it might not be what studios are looking for, but it's a style that makes me unique and that is helping with my story. So I got it. (laughs) So uh, tell us about The Second Son. Yeah, so kind of in short, it is a story that is cyber espionage meets superhero. And it's very much about just how do you confront problems when you're presented with them and how do you just deal with, you know, being different? And, like, I'm looking at it at through the... Like, it's supposed to be kind of a subversion of um, the mainstream superhero genre. Like, I kind of turned that story around to be like, you know, are superheroes a good thing? Are they a bad thing? What do you do when you find yourself just like aware of things that need to be changed and realizing you have some ability to change it. Like, do you make that step forward and become responsible for it? Or, you know, how do you interact with it? And it's just taking, it's drawing on some experiences that I've had. Like, clearly I'm not a super powered person, (laughs) but just instances where, you know, I'm just like, I'm tired of seeing this stuff happen and I'd like to be able to help and I'm going to try and do something about it. And knowing that like, sometimes you're just facing things head on that, you know, it's a battle you can't win, but it's still a battle you're going to fight. And that's very much what the story is about, and looking at that whole dynamic. Okay. I like that. I think I think that's something yeah, that, that um, everybody can relate to, like doing the right thing for the right, yeah, you know, exactly. because it's the right thing to do. You know, everybody... Yeah, <laughs> and it's... Oh, keep going? It's very much like a hard thing to unpack I think but it's kind of like at the root of every decision we make is just kind of like that idea of you know is it the right thing to do when you're just 
going ahead and completing an action, like how is this going to benefit you, everyone, and et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, and in telling that story, you know, I'm also looking at it through like the Latina lens of, you know, she is a Afro-Latina woman, but also there are these parallels of just the events that play out in this story that very much parallel things that have happened in Latino American history, um, and just kind of the idea of U.S. interventionism. It's like a critique, <laughs> essentially, on U.S. interventionism in Latin America. Okay. And just, you know, the revolutions that have occurred and, like, the Latino fight for freedom. Right. Okay. Yeah, that's Very layered. <laughs> yeah. Like, th- that's way more complicated than, than what I'm working on, but I haven't really got to that point yet. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a work in progress. Like, I, I'm doing, like, story revisions. I've really only got the first volume written, and I'm, like, still drawing the first issue, so I've oh, got okay. a ways to go. But yeah. it's, like, I'm working on wrapping it up. I'm hoping that by the end of this year, you know, I'll have the second issue out and mm-hmm. then hopefully just be done with the first volume within the next few months. So are you going to, like, crowdfund? Um, I'm still deciding that. Like, I just kind of... Um, I print everything, like, all my zines on my own printer. Just since I'm doing, like, this comic book, I actually, like, used a, a different company for it. I didn't just print it off mine. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, yeah, maybe I'll go ahead and do a crowdfunding campaign once I get, like, the second issue done and just kind of, like, send them all out. Mm-hmm. I think that would probably be the best solution. Yeah, because um, – But in – Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, I was just going to say in the meantime, like, once I finish the first one, I – I'm just going to kind of continue to travel around that with whatever Zine Fest or comic conventions I go to, mm-hmm. kind of like I did with that preview issue when I debuted at uh, Dink. Okay. So so tomorrow is Free Comic Book Day. Are you going to be signing anywhere? Um. No. <laughs> funny enough, I actually am working tomorrow. I'm like oh, no. doing a, a hike with some kids. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, like, I was totally thinking about, I was like, oh, man, free comic book day. Because, yeah, normally on free comic book day, I just try to go to my local comic book store and see what's up. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember the last couple of times I've gone down at Dr. Comic and Mr. Games on Piedmont Avenue here in Oakland. <laughs> Always, like, good people there. It's just a lot of fun. So, yeah, this is, like, the one free comic book day. I won't be doing anything with comics. <laughs> oh, okay. I mean, I'm talking like I'm going to have this out before Monday. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like. I don't know because I, I was I'm planning on launching in June, but I might have I might launch next Monday. Like, oh yeah, I might That'd as well. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. So, how often yeah. do you uh, go to conventions? Um, I mean, I literally just started doing conventions and festivals um this past summer. Okay. Uh, so kind of like my second year in the program, because at that point I felt like I figured out how to make a zine. I had a few zines out, and I was like just kind of getting that push from my classmates and my instructors and just seeing like what this was all about. I was like, you know, I think I could do this. It was like very much something that wasn't present in the animation industry and the major and th- like just that community I was in. Mm-hmm. So I just kind of took the dive, and since then I've been doing – like one every month, every other month, but this past month I like I just did a zine tour. I was like back to back to back. I mm-hmm. basically traveled to different places for like four weeks straight. I was like, oh, wow. Um, yeah, I went to 
there was it started off the Latino Comic Expo actually, mm-hmm. and then I went to New Orleans Beast Fest, and I went to Dink. I just did Queer Comics Expo. I'm doing the Mission Arts and Comics Expo this Sunday, oh, okay. and then I'm going to be paneling and moderating at a Queers and Comics Conference in New York. So that's like a conference, not really a like comic mm-hmm. convention or festival, but it's still talking about like comics and the intersection of identity. Okay. Yeah, I was going to go to Mission, but I'm taking my niece to go watch Avengers Endgame. Like at eight thirty in the morning. So. <laughs> still important. Still important. Yeah. I'm actually watching Endgame tonight. <laughs> oh, you haven't watched it yet? No, I have not. Okay, I've been so, so busy, but I'm like setting aside time. Yeah, I I watched it last Friday when I got off of work, and then again on sun Saturday, last Saturday. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I think, like you've seen all the all the Marvel movies. Yeah, yeah, I've yeah. seen the ones leading up to this one. Yeah. So I I think you'll. There's a lot of fan service, <laughs> and you know how sometimes fan service can be cheesy, but it's not cheesy. It it'll be it'll be fun. I think you'll yeah. enjoy it as much as everyone else has. Yeah, like <laughs> I always find the movies to be fun and stuff, and like I always like watching su- any superhero movie really a second mm-hmm. time to like get past like the enjoyment of like oh here's the superhero movie it's fun to like kind of just like analyze it because that's <laughs> what I'm about. I love analyzing media. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Same here. Like. Uh, I can't say anything because I don't want to ruin it for you. This, this isn't like Game of Thrones where everybody's just throwing, you know, uh, oh, spoilers yeah. all, you know, left and right. You know, this is Avengers Endgame. You can't spoil it for anybody. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like I, w- I went to my brother's house right after, um, right after watching it last Friday. And he's like, how was it? I'm like, it was good. He's like, what happened? I'm like, dude, I'm not going to tell you. Like, the whole, <laughs> you know, the whole point is the experience. Yeah, <laughs> it's funny. It's like that's very much like me and my dad. Cause like my dad, he also kind of started getting me into comics, but it wasn't until I, like, kind of entered the program, was like getting into it on my own, where I like was able to engage with him about comics because he's got a collection and he's big on mm-hmm. Marvel and stuff. But every time he watches a movie before me, it's like he always spoils it for me. Oh. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my god, no! You can't tell me this. I gotta see yeah. for myself. <laughs> That's that's cool. That you could share that with your with your father. Yeah, no, it's really nice and stuff. And it's like we very much are always like kind of talking about like the Star Wars comics and mm-hmm. just like Star Wars stuff. Period. But also like he just keeps me in the loop about like Marvel movies, DC movies, comic things that are happening. When I like, I just kind of like fall off the radar with all that stuff because mm-hmm. then I just like forget to like check online and see like what's happening. <laughs> okay, so what do you think of DC's film universe so far? I mean, I definitely enjoy the TV series a little bit more in comparison. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I do think they're fun movies, but I feel like, I don't know, it's kind of, like, hard to describe. Like, I've been trying to figure this out because this is, like, a conversation me and my friends have when we discuss, like, comic book universes, adaptations and movies and stuff. And, like, it's just they're working with so much material, like, literally, like, decades worth of material. It's so hard to, like, kind of pick and choose what you're going to do. So it just becomes very convoluted, I think. Mm-hmm. So, like, I can't really offer a solution to, like, what would be a better formula and stuff. Right. Like, I think it's good that, you know, they're attempting to, like, bring that origin story of, like, you know, each individual superhero into the Justice League. But I don't know, like, what 
like how fast they could do it before they like release like you know the whole group again or whatever because right. it's just there's just so much to work with mm-hmm. it is it kind of just depends on the storyline you know like what comic you're drawing from so i don't know I have hopes. Like, I have high hopes. I always still watch the movies. Like, I loved Shazam. I thought it was yeah. cute. It felt very much like Shazam to me. I mm-hmm. like, I totally felt like that was Billy Batson on the screen, and I liked that. So, for me, it's just, like, it depends on, like, the character adaptation. That's very much where my bias lands. Oh, okay. If I'm watching this and I'm just like, this is not the character I know, then mm-hmm. it's hard for me to like the movie. <laughs> that's how I felt when I watched Green Lantern. Like, I hate that movie. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, I watched it. And um, what when he's training with Kilowog and Sinestro, and then he kind of backs up and is like afraid. I'm like, wait a second. That's yeah. yeah that was the moment I realized that that was the worst movie I've ever paid to watch. <laughs> and then I still ended up buying it on Blu-ray because it was Green Lantern. So. Yeah, no, I hundred percent understand. <laughs> it's like you know, like supporting the cause. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's all right, like. But uh, like I've tried watching it again, I can't get past that part. Like, yeah, I'll, I'll get up. <laughs> yeah, I'll get up to that part, and then it's just, nope, I'm done. Yeah, just it doesn't age well. <laughs> like, I mean, there's only you can only move forward from there. I'm yeah. like, I'm again. I have hope, and I hope for like more movies because it's just like they're gonna keep making these movies and stuff. So there's gonna be ones that land. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think because Aquaman was was fun too. It it felt like this. Yeah, I really. Aquaman. It was this kind of like Indiana Jones meets Merman, I guess. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, yeah. Like definitely that Indiana Jones is. Like that's pretty spot on. Hmm. Yeah, so like what? When I was watching uh, Justice League, like that opening scene with Batman and the Parademon and all that stuff, like yeah. that was straight out of Jeff Johns's, you know, um, run on Justice League. And then they they cut to that horrible CGI shot of Wonder Woman. And that, like, that instantly took me out of the film because I could tell that it was fake. You know? Yeah, I know. That's definitely, like, one of my biggest beefs. It's, like, kind of movie period that, like, I think it's getting more and more in the superhero genre. And it's, like, I understand why they're using it, but there's just so much CGI. It's, like, Mm -hmm. at a certain point where I'm, like, if you're going to just spend all this money on computer graphics, just make it an animated film, <laughs> and it'll look so much better. There's just so much stuff happening with, like, look at how real we can make the CGI look, where it's just total uncanny valley. It's super cheesy, and mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't know, make it, like, I like the miniatures of the old Star Wars movies, and yeah. I also just like really good animated features. Like, I'm sure this could just be, like, a 2D animation look great yeah. and not be, like, a creepy uncanny valley 3D animation. Mm-hmm. This is also part of why I left the industry. I was just like, I don't like where this is going. Yeah. <laughs> this isn't the work I do. This isn't the work I want to do. <laughs> so I'm not going to like try to get into that field. Yeah, 2D animation is rarely seen nowadays. Like, yeah, even... it's very much like it's an indie thing. It's kind of like the zines of the animation mm-hmm. industry. But it's like animation takes so much more time and money to get out there. Yeah. Um, it's just kind of like you got to labor away and hope you hit the festival circuit running. And then if you do, well, then that's how you get it out there. But not everyone has that opportunity. There's, like, very little accessibility that comes with kind of, like, that level of animation compared to comics just because zines are so DIY. Mm -hmm. And then you can kind of use that as a jumping-off point to get into, like, making, like, more mainstream comics or just even still zines that just really get around. 
Yeah. Yeah, because I, I made a zine for the LCX. Because uh, 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 I have a hard time calling uh, Dr. Rojas by her first name just because <laughs> she's my mentor. And, and I'm like, I will not call her by her first name until, you know, we are at our colleagues are on the same level. So, yeah. So, like, she asked me if I would uh, staff her table. I was like, yeah, of course. I got nothing to do. Although I, I took, like, a half day at work. So I could, <laughs> so I could uh, yeah. get to the expo at eleven. So um, she's like, "Make something." I'm like, "What?" She's like, "Just make something." I'm like, "All right, I'll make it." And then I, I came up with this idea of me trying to, like, relate to my nephew or my oldest nephew and my nieces. Um, mm-hmm. So it was like I bought a pair of shoes that my nephew has. I was like, "Oh, he'll think I'm cool with these shoes, right?" And he doesn't like <laughs> notice them. And then I. Uh, I remember seeing my youngest niece read a book. It's like, oh, I'll get her. So thinking like this was like five years later, I was like, oh, I'll get her a book for her birthday. So I text her. I was like, hey, you want a a book for your birthday? She's like, uncle, I don't read. I'm like, well, when did you grow (laughs) up? So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's just very much how kids are. I mean, like I work with kids and Mm -hmm. it's just like even by day by day, their interactions are just like, why are you like a different person? I just talked to you yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, because I asked my ne- uh, youngest nephew if he wanted to go to free comic book day with me tomorrow. And he like hesitated. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you could say no. How could you hesitate? <laughs> well, he, he's playing. He's kind of uh, in that early stages of being a jock. Ah. Uh, yeah. Because so. <laughs> um, my oldest nephew, he's 17. And um, what? You know, he's one of the better athletes at his school, so he's trying to, f- you know, emulate him. So, yeah. so I'm like, I get it, you know. <laughs> so what is going to be your next um, con or festival? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we'll go with that um, question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it'll be me on Sunday, yeah. Okay. Oh, that's right. Yeah, because, like, after Mace will just be Queers and Comics Conference, and then from there, I don't really have anything on the books yet. I've just started, like, scoping out what's going on in the summer and the fall. Okay. Um, just because, like, after a whole month of traveling, as great as it was and as, like, beneficial as it was to open up some doors, I was just like, I'm tired. Yeah. So... <laughs> I'm like, like, I'm just going to go to Puerto Rico to see some family for, mm-hmm. like, two weeks, and then I'll get back to work. Well, that's cool. Yeah, like, um, after the two days at LCX, I was, my brain was fried. Cause yeah, I was, uh, and it's like, I, 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 I was helping, started uh, doing oh, sorry. two-day cons with LCX, and, like, oh, my God, it's a whole other monster. I just wasn't ex- expecting to feel exhausted. And it's, like, a good feeling of exhaustion. Mm-hmm. So I'm just, like, I'm out here putting my work out, having great conversations with people, making connections. And it's a lot of fun, and it's really enjoyable. Um, but, yeah, it's, like, it tires you out. Yeah. Because um, I was helping um, Frederick Aldama sell his books. Because mm-hmm. he, was, he was rarely at, at his table. So he, he asked me if I would help. I was, like, yeah, of course, no problem. So I was, you know, I was pushing his books uh, when Dr. Rojas was um, doing uh, panels or whatever. 
You know, I was yeah. trying to sell her stuff, and then I was trying to push my stuff. So it was, yeah, by by the, and I'm an I'm an introvert too. So that was a lot of socializing that I was not prepared for. <laughs> yeah, no, that was definitely me when I started out doing these festivals. Because I was just like, how one, how do I talk about my work? But two, like, just how do I like talk to people? Period to get them interested in my work. Because mm-hmm. it's like, you know, so many there's so many people. You're there for hours. Not only is it just kind of like tiring sitting there for hours and like kind of like going over your spiel, but also it's like you just have to like really amp yourself up to like, okay, I'm going to make the first move and say hi to this person and be like, hey, look at my work or like whatever. Just how are you doing? It takes a lot out of you when you're doing that to like hundreds, thousands of people a day, depending Mm -hmm. on how big it is. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of um, conventions, um, LCX isn't going to be back at at MJC next year, but Dr. Rojas is putting together her own thing. It's uh, oh, interesting. Yeah, she's calling it the Latin Latinx Comics Festival. Oh, cool. Yeah. So yeah, I didn't even know about that, but that's yeah, good to know. Yeah, she she put what I think she put um, a request for the for the um, for the venue. Like two weeks after LCX ended. Oh wow! She yeah, right on it. That's good though. Yeah, and then like it's nice to see that thing growing out. Yeah, and then the um, what the I forgot what they're called, but they've already approved the funding for it. Okay. So yeah, that's, that's gonna be. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's gonna be happening happening next March, I think. Again. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. yeah, that's great. Yeah. So. I'm really looking forward to it because yeah, I'm like. There's also just not a lot of, at least that I've been able to find, maybe it's just, like, I'm starting to, like, become more aware of it, but just looking for more spaces that are just more inclusive of, like, the Latino experience, so, that are also representative, like, just different diasporas, um, mm-hmm. and just different aspects of Latino identity, and it's really nice being in the Bay, where it's, like, you know, there's just all these queer-friendly spaces and conventions, it's just very, like, punk rock DIY things that just crop up overnight or just like we sell zines too and then there's like just music and food and whatnot just yeah. like all over the place but it's great because that's where you make all those awesome connections yeah. um, but I'm really like looking forward to finding more Latino spaces and just like Latino zine fest and comic conventions to mm-hmm. see like you know just how other Latino stories are being told yeah yeah, t- yeah I think that's just it's just it's fun too like mm-hmm. Like getting to know people, like talking about each other's work, I mean, and it's also just the point of inspiration. Like I like going to shows and seeing what other people are doing, and be like, mm-hmm. "Oh, this is like a really great execution. This is a really interesting idea." Or like, "Oh my gosh, someone's telling the story, and I've never seen." <laughs>